Good morning. It's great to have Pastor Fred and Nancy with us this morning and their two boys, uh, Jerry and Jesse, uh, with us. They're not sitting with their parents, which is pretty normal, isn't it? Because um, they're teenagers. Would you guys like to come up and uh, let's give them a welcome as they come. That one's working okay. Yeah, come into the centre so we can get you on television uh, or wherever it might be. But it's great to uh, have you guys along this morning. I know as, a, as an eldership, and we'll go into this a little bit more next week, but as an eldership, we are just excited. And we just saw the plan of God unfold before us, uh, which is uh, what you desire. Um, but it was just uh, one of those incredible journeys that we as an eldership have been on and uh, we've been trying to work out how we can bring this all about and it's come about quicker than what we thought and um, so next next Sunday uh, you'll have the opportunity of voting as a congregation um, but I thought it'd be great for you to see them some of you don't know uh, Pastor Fred and uh, Nancy some of you do know him or them and uh, I know Fred you've spoken a, a few times in church, haven't you? Yep. How many times do you reckon you've spoken here? At... Twice. About twice? Yeah. Okay. okay. And Nancy, you came to the Baptist church first, didn't you? Yeah, I did. When I came from uh, Townsville, it was a Monday and I was looking for church. So I went around and I, I lived just the next door. Oh. And I said, oh, that looks like a church. So I will make my way there on Sunday and, and check it out. So that's what I did. So this was the first place I ever came in. I was, it was beautiful. The welcome was amazing. That's great. That's great. Look, I'm just going to ask them a few questions this morning. Uh, and then after that, we're going to uh, go into communion. So there's no sermon as such. Although you might think there is a bit in the communion, but that's okay. Um, but uh, I just wanted to ask them a, a, a few questions so that we can get to know them a little bit uh, better. But maybe I'll start with you, Nancy. Where did you come to faith in Jesus? Well, when we, in Kenya, most of us are born, once you're born, you're born a Christian. That's almost the basic thing. So I was born in a Christian family. So you wake up, you're born, the next thing you're in church. So we grew up in church. But not until my personal encounter with Jesus was later in 1987 when I had a personal encounter with Jesus. Ah, lovely. Yes. Fred, what about yourself? Morning, church. <laughs> Can you hear me? And I just say thank you for having us this morning. We are so grateful to be part of family. And uh, I was just reminding Nancy the other day that we're back on Fitzroy Street because I remember the very first time I, took, I came to Kerang, we were on Fitzroy Street. So could this be our exit from Kerang or our starting of great things? Uh, I came to know Christ um, as my personal savior back in 1990. But I was born in a Christian family. My mom was an evangelist. My parents were people that were working in church. So I grew up in church. I went to a Christian school. But I think along the way, I made that personal commitment in April 1990. Great. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your church journey, because you've yeah. 
I've, I've met with Fred on a number of occasions as the chaplain of North Haven and uh, I just was inspired every time uh, we had, I think I paid for the coffee too now I come to think of it, um, and, uh, but it was just an inspiring time as I heard of his particular journey, I haven't heard much of Nancy's journey which we'll get a bit this morning, tell us a little bit about the churches that you've been involved in. I know we've spent hours together in terms of that, but yeah. briefly tell us a little about when you first started in the church life as a, in the office as a kind of an associate pastor and then moved on from there. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, my, my journey as a Christian, I said, uh, I was born in a Christian family. Uh, my parents were Christian. My mother was an evangelist. Uh, but from 1990, uh, when I made my personal commitment to uh, receive Christ or to be born again, I used to go to church to help with the setup, help with the seats, sound system. I just go there very early in the morning to help uh, between 1990 and uh, 1997. And 1997, uh, my church, which is was called then International Christian Center in Nairobi, the senior pastor, they invited me to be part of the, of the staff. And uh, I was made an admin assistant, so I used to work in church office to answer phone calls, uh, do other stuff in the office, administrative stuff and all that. So between 1997 and 1999, I was trying to work around the church activities, the church business, what happens in church board meetings and stuff, because I used to make for them even tea when the, the board meetings were happening. And in 1999, I joined Bible school because I started feeling the call of God on my life to join full-time ministry. So I went to Bible school from 1990 um, until about uh, three years later, I graduated a diploma in Bible and theology and I joined the pastoral staff as a ministry coordinator. What that meant in my church then was to work along this, the pastor to walk with you, to help you, to show you pastoral work and to guide you. So as a ministry coordinator working with other teams along the church. And later down the line, I was made an associate pastor working with uh, different groups. Um, I can say I work with the children's ministry, I worked with the counseling department in church. Actually, I was among the people that launched the counseling ministry. Back then in our church in Nairobi, we launched the counseling ministry. I worked with the marriage ministry, working along with the young couples, guide them through the premarital counseling, and later working them through marriage and their journey and all that. Um, I've also worked in the area of what we call, I've not seen much here, we call it logistics. Logistics, you help the pastoral team to work with the volunteers, to form the volunteers that run activities on Sundays every week. And uh, for our church in Nairobi, it was growing bigger. We had uh, people that actually we had to run in three different services. So we needed security team, we needed parking teams, we needed ushers to collect the offering, we needed, then we never had mobile giving, money was counted. So we had to come up with a team that actually counted money after that. So all those was, was put under logistics 
and those teams have to work with the pastors to put them together. Um, but other than that, as an associate pastor, also I worked along uh, forming small groups in our church, which we call small groups, uh, connect groups in some places, or live home churches, some people call them home churches. And uh, I remember the very first group we launched, um, the very first campaign we launched was back in uh, 2007, where we did the book Purpose Driven Life, and we got to invite actual Rick Warren himself to come to our church and actually launch with us small groups in our church in Nairobi and some other key leaders. We also started some leadership training and we managed to get John Maxwell to come to our church back in then in Nairobi to, to lead, um, to put up together a million leaders mandate. And I was part of that group as well, that we did a million leaders mandate in our church. And up to date, I still love John Maxwell. The, most man that has a lot of influence in our life is John mm. Maxwell. Yeah. Um, so lots of other areas that um, I was working, but 2011 we had to leave Nairobi, and I think now we'll be talking a bit about that on how we left. But um, when we came to Queensland, we came to Townsville, and uh, we joined the church called Calvary Christian College back in uh, Townsville. Calvary Christian Center, yeah, thanks for making that direction. <laughs> I was part of that church, and uh, as I did, I also worked as a community engagement officer, I worked in the community with the Save the Children Australia, but as I served in the church, um, I, I was made to be the new people's pastor. The new people's pastor's role was to be able to outreach, discipleship, and allow the people to move from level one to another level. We, called it next assimilation. assimilation yeah thanks for that uh, <laughs> just like you and also in townsville at the, at the uh, at calvary christian church uh, i worked as um, i worked with the children's ministry as well and i also worked with um, with the volunteer teams at uh, at calvary before now we left calvary and came to Kiran. Yeah. Now, I think, if I remember correctly, you were ordained in, in Nairobi ordained in as Nairobi, an, yeah. an ordained yeah, uh, yeah, minister. Yeah, yeah. So that's great to also yeah. know for us as well, yeah, yeah. which is good. Now, because you've got two children, I gather you got married somewhere here <laughs> in the midst of this. So tell us about the marriage and then when you moved to. Yeah. Thank you. So it was within the church. Thank God for church. You find good, good people. Well, I say, who, he who finds a wife finds good thing and obtains favor. Yeah. So, so I am sure I was favored that I was favored that way. So I joined um, ISIS International Christian Center. That's where I met Fred. But in our youth group, that's why it's good to be in a youth group. So. <laughs> So when we were in our youth group back in Kenya, that's where we met. And we had a pastor then who was very good at making sure that people are connecting, uh, that the youth are meeting together as often as they could. And along the way, his eyes were open and he found me. <laughs> so we thank God for that. So in 2002, August the 24th, which we'll be celebrating next week, we got married. That would be about 19 years. 19 years now, yeah. Uh, we got married then, and 
2005, we had our firstborn. And 2008, we had our second born. 2005, Jesse came in 2005, October. And Jerry came in 2008, July. Yeah. And that's how... So, so what took you from Nairobi to Townsville? What was, what was the, the reason for that, just very quickly, and then the reason for coming to okay. Kerrang? Yes, so along the way, where we were still in church, um, we felt that it was time, it comes down, we felt it was time to move on, uh, but we didn't know to where. So we, we had to, I had prayed on my own, and I hadn't told him. And then one day when we were doing our devotions in the evening, he just, he just suddenly said, I feel it's time to move on. Um, but we didn't know where we were moving to, and we committed to God, and um, I felt I needed to come to school. And the question was, where? Um, then we thought about, uh, we were talking to some people, we finally found out, so we came to uh, Townsville, actually, I came to study. We moved, we made the journey from Kenya to Townsville. I came to study, I enrolled in nursing, and I studied nursing there, I'm a registered nurse. And then I finished, and uh, then after that, then I thought uh, we needed a job, I needed a full-time job, I needed to be able to work. So then we had jobs in Townsville, but for some reason, God decided it is here that we were coming. So I made the long journey from Townsville to Korang, had never heard of that. So when I got the interview, and my boss, who was to be my boss and who was interviewing me, and said, uh, we are in Korang, I said, what is that? I've never, had never had anything like that. And I, I checked with the people around. And the Australians, I thought they would know this place, and I said, uh, <laughs> they, they said, no, we, we haven't heard of a place like that, and had to go to the Google Maps with me. And we said, okay, it's somewhere in Victoria. I said, all right. Um, so, well, we talked with my husband and the children, and said, okay, I am coming to Victoria. It was going to be my second time in Victoria. I had, my sister used to live around somewhere Ichuka. in Ichuka. Mm. We hadn't spent much time. I never heard of this site. So anyway, I said, I'm coming down. And I told him, okay, what we'll do, I'll go down. If it's a real place, I will tell you. If it's, <laughs> if, if it's not real, what we'll do is I'll just turn around and I'll come back. We had to use a train. I, I hadn't used a train before. We hadn't used trains before. There are no trains in, in Townsville where we live and there are trains in Kenya either. So even trying to get myself around the trains business was interesting. But finally, we, I made it here. And I was here six months before my family joined in. So that was my beautiful journey to Kerrang. Sounds exciting to me. I know when uh, I was uh, asked to be interviewed up here, I went, where's Kerrang actually? <laughs> I heard of it, but I didn't know exactly where it was. So we're, we're okay there. Um, Fred, do you, do you believe, and I know we're waiting till next week in terms of mm. that commitment from a church, mm. but do you see this as a, as a calling of God? Have you felt that on your life for Kerrang Baptist Church, or is this just another job? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, we've always felt here as family. Um, we, love, we love Kerrang Baptist Church. We love the people, and we believe people love us because we've always been received well. Uh, but one of the things that really, really has really encouraged me in 
my role as a chaplain is the amount of support I've received from this church. Uh, if there's anything that I can say that I can tell anybody that I've received from Kerrang, even if I'm not the one voted in, I've said that I've received tremendous support from this church to make the role of chaplaincy at North Haven very successful. So thank you so much everybody who's been contributing to um, chaplains at North Haven. But also the other thing I'll say that uh, I really feel strongly about this church is the hunger that the people have in this church. And uh, for, for me as a Christian, I feel hungry all the time for the word of God. And, and, and I feel the hunger. I, I'm not here yet, but I can feel the hunger of the people that want to eat more. And I'm saying we still have more in the store. <laughs> we still have more. Amen. So the hunger is there. But above all, I'm going to say that thank you. This is a beautiful place. Mm. Yeah. Just to uh, let you know, in our talking with, mm. uh, with Pastor Fred in the eldership, we were talking about how many days a week mm. uh, would we look at full time. But to his credit, he still wants to do that three days a week mm. at uh, North Haven. Mm. So he'll be working three days a week here. So, um, and I think that's going to be a, a wonderful marriage mm. uh, that we've already got at North Haven, but I think it will even enhance even greater mm. uh, to that degree if that's the, the will of God mm. uh, for us to come. Just very, very quickly, um, what do you see as your spiritual gifts that you will bring to the church? And Nancy, I'll ask you the same as well. What would you see then? Um, like, like I've said earlier, I've, I've had the privilege of literally serving every area of the church. I've been at the office, admin staff, I can do administration, I can, I've worked with the kids at the church, I've been with the counseling team, I've been with the volunteers, I've been with the marriage. But I think the greatest thing that comes out of it is still pastoral care for me. It stands out. But if I narrow that pastoral care, I'll put, I'll put it to outreach. I always feel like outreach is my strength when it comes to ministry. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Fantastic. Yeah. Nancy, what about yourself? I would say one of the things that I do, I love people deeply and I love to see people happy. I just love to be able to, the ability to be able to make people feel comfortable and welcome, uh, regardless of where they are coming from, that you can come into these doors and you are accepted just as you are. No one, no one cares where you have been and what you have been, but just as you are, just as Christ has received us. Mm. One of the other things that I'm, I love most and I feel I've called to is in the area of worship. I love to worship. Mm. I, I do love to worship and I also love teaching. So I, I feel like it just comes out as I begin to talk and I, I realize that I enjoy to explain things and explain them and explain them and just be able to draw people to to hear what I have to say and to make people understand and what, uh, get people to my level. And that's a few of the things I've heard. Love to hear that. Love to hear the passion. <laughs> and uh, I was just thinking before, we've, uh, we've got another preacher over here. Um, 
another teacher over here <laughs> plus yourself yeah. and uh, I know that Pastor Fred doesn't want to do all the preaching mm. he wants to elevate people mm. Uh, mm. to be able to move in their in their gifts and in their giftings and that's going to be a real uh, real gift uh, to the church mm. and uh, I, th I think that was about all that I really wanted to draw out of you uh, is your passion mm. to serve the Lord and your passion for the people here. Mm. And, I, and I know that I've picked that up. Mm. And uh, I know in the eldership I was really blessed when uh, Ken, we were talking about uh, a pastoral call, and he said, what about Pastor Fred? And I went, good idea, great idea. You know, so thank you, Ken, for bringing his name forward because I think that uh, is something that uh, I sense from God and I know that I'm excited about the possibility and I know the church will ratify that in the days ahead so why don't we pray for Max would you like to come and, and pray I love putting people on the spot because I know you've got a, a great heart for Fred as well and Nancy so thank you Lord we thank you for this time we thank you for Fred and Nancy and for uh, their life this far and how Lord you have had them in your hand and in your plans and we thank you that you have that for all of us and lord we we pray for our church right now we've been we thank you so much for paul and and annie and um for just the wonderful um ministry they've had amongst us and that's been from you and you've brought us to this point lord and we are excited and thankful to you. And we pray, Lord, that you will show us what is your will. We believe as leaders, as leaders that it is your will that these guys come into our presence and minister amongst us. And we pray, Lord, that we might know that as a whole, as a church, and, Lord, that we might see your hand upon us in the future. Lord, we just don't want to sit here and be a club or a, just a maintenance thing. We want to grow, Lord, each one of us, and help us to have that vision and that desire to grow closer to you, that we might be the people you want us to be, that we might be the church you want us to be, not just the church in Kerrang. But someone, somewhere, a, a, a church that is reaching out, that is touching lives, that is seeing people turn to you. And Lord, we just ask this for our church. And we ask you to bless these guys. We ask you to bless Paul and Anne. And Lord, we look forward to farewelling them very soon. We thank you for your love and for your care for us and for your plans and your uh, all you have. And we ask that we might seek your will and follow you and want to do what you want us to do, to be who you want us to be. We ask these things in your name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Let's, let's give them a round of applause. Come on. Thank you. Just going to enter into a time of communion. 
So this time we are, we do have individual open cups here for when Paul facilitates that, but if you make sure you at least have some form of communion with you. I'm just going to do a reading from Luke 10, 25 to 37. Just then, a religious scholar stood before Jesus in order to test his doctrines. He posed this question, teacher, what requirement must I fulfill if I want to live forever in heaven? Jesus replied, what do you read in the law? How do you understand it? The religious scholar answered, it states, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your passion, all your energy, and your every thought, and you must love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, that is correct. Now go and do exactly that and you will live. Wanting to justify himself, he questioned Jesus further saying, what do you mean by my neighbor? Jesus replied, there was once a Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho when bandits robbed him along the way. They beat him severely, stripped him naked and left him half dead. Soon a Jewish priest walking down the same road came upon the wounded man. Seeing him from a distance, the priest crossed to the other side of the road and walked right past him, not turning to help him one bit. Later, a religious man, a Levite, came walking down the same road and likewise crossed to the other side to pass by the wounded man without stopping to help him. Finally, another man, a Samaritan, came upon the bleeding man and was moved with tender compassion for him. He stooped down, gave him first aid, pouring olive oil on his wounds, disinfecting them with wine, and bandaging them to stop the bleeding. Lifting him up, he placed him on his own donkey and brought him to an inn. Then he took him from his donkey and carried him to a room for the night. The next morning, he took his own money from his wallet and gave it to the innkeeper with these words, take care of him until I come back from my journey. If it costs more than this, I will repay you when I return. So tell me, which of the three men who saw the wounded man proved to be a true neighbor? The religious scholar responded, the one who demonstrated kindness and mercy. Jesus said, go and do the same as he. I was greatly challenged by a, a devotional that, a story actually, but made into a devotional by, uh, that was sent out through the Baptist Union going back about probably two months ago now and about uh, six or seven weeks ago, Brendan rang me and said, Paul, have you seen this, this devotion? It was around the time when we were looking at the community garden and things like that. And it was written by a man by the name of Pastor Andrew Naylor. And I, and I want to share this story with you and then just a couple of comments uh, towards the end of it. But I want to read this story because it's so in line with, I believe, what we as a church need to be looking at. And I was listening to Pastor Fred as he was sharing about outreach, uh, getting out into our community, getting into our neighbours and things like that. And the, the story of the Good Samaritan is, is something that is, is so clear and, and true to our hearts. But let me just read this because I think it's important. On an interstate trip a few years ago, after I'd been out to dinner with a colleague, I went to walk through the city. When I was heading back to the hotel, I passed a guy sitting in a doorway holding a cup out for money. For me, he got a few coins and a couple of guitar plectrums. 
plectrums? That's right, plectrums. 50 metres down the road, I felt compelled to go back and talk to him. In fact, I knew that if I continued on to my hotel, had a shower and got into bed, I would just have had to head back anyway again to find him. So I listened to that still small voice, went back and asked if I could sit down and hear his story, instantly regretting what it might do to my nice shorts. As I listened to his story, I found out that he had just been released from 10 years in jail. And I realised that he had never had a chance for a better life. Fast forward 100 minutes and we'd shared stories, scriptures. He'd committed his life to Christ in jail. Prayers and hugs. After buying him a kebab, half of which he gave to another homeless person the minute we walked out of the store, and making sure that he had a bed for that night. I headed back to the hotel with him at my side, trying to give, try, him trying to give me his jacket. I learned so much from him, and I thought, where else would Jesus be? And in various passages of Scripture, such as Leviticus 19, Matthew 22, and Romans 13, we are clearly instructed, love our neighbour as we love ourselves. But in the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, Jesus deepens that challenge. He suggests that, that showing love might mean going out of our way to care for someone, care for someone that we might not even have any idea of who they are or how to help. Furthermore, it, it might even cost us some time and maybe money even. I wonder how often we might ignore a need because we don't have the time or don't know what to do. We also struggle with how the interruption or the disruption might impact upon my life. In Jesus' story in the Good Samaritan, one of the reasons that either, either of the priests or the scribes didn't stop is that legally they weren't allowed to. They were instructed not to touch anything or something that was unclean. Either the Good Samaritan didn't know the rules or he recognised a greater need that was at hand. <laughs> Toni Morrison, in her book, The Origin of Others, says that one of the things we fear about strangers is that they might disturb us. And over time, I've come to realise that unless I'm being disturbed, unless I'm being disrupted and interrupted, I'm probably missing a great deal of what God might like to do in me and through me. Therefore, one of the key challenges that I've identified in my own life is how much margin I leave to even have a friendly conversation in my street, let alone go out of my way to help someone on the side of a highway or a busy corner in the city. And I know that I was challenged about that about a month ago when we were driving back to Kerrang and there was a man hitchhiking, and Anne said, why didn't you pick him up? 
to challenge. You know, if I was to start, sum up the story of the, of the Good Samaritan, I'd say it would go out of your way a little to show some kindness. Break a few of your habits and maybe some of our routines so that you have time to listen and to, to actually understand another person's story. I know I love when I, when I do funerals, and I do a lot of them, as you know. I love listening to the person's story because every single one of us have got a story behind us. Many of us are too scared to share it. But the interesting part about the Bible says it's by the word of your testimony. In other words, it's your story that we overcome the enemy. Isn't that interesting? By the blood of the Lamb and our testimony, our story. And if there's an immediate need, maybe we can fulfill it. Why not do that as well? Just go out of our way. I don't know about you, but I found that rather challenging of that man who, who went past and came back again. I love the way Jesus always stepped out of his comfort zone to reach what was perceived to be unreachable, even the marginalized, the forgotten, the unsynagogued. Is that a word? It is now. <laughs> the unchurched. The unchurched. I think, and you call it pre-Christians, don't you? Non-church non people, pre-Christians. And I think that's a good way of looking at it. They're just not quite there to become Christian yet. But we might be that, that link. I even love the disciples that he chose. <laughs> I wonder how many of you would have tried to reach them, let alone put them on our leadership team. Man alive. Man. Then he goes and sees them. They actually follow him. They follow him. He brings them into the most intimate parts of his life. <clears throat> he calls them to the upper room, to the Last Supper, which we know as, as communion. Now, remember Peter, who denied Jesus three times. He was there. He was there. John, who, <coughs> who wanted to call down fire and lightning on people who didn't want to follow Jesus and didn't want to go along with, he was there too. He had an anger problem. None of us have that, of course. There are those same two who constantly walked past the beggars at the gate, beautiful, standing at the gate, refusing even to look at them, let alone touch them or give them time. And all of a sudden, at the day of Pentecost, Everything changed for them. You see, so often in our lives we could become reservoirs. We just fill ourselves up with Christian things. But God has never, ever, ever in his word told us to be reservoirs. He's told us to be rivers. 
Rivers that flow out of our innermost being. That's what he said to the, to the, uh, to the lady at the well, didn't he? But now, Peter and John come to the gate beautiful and they see for the first time the need. And they dealt with the need. James, the brother of Jesus, was present, who probably thought at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, hang on a minute, what do you think you're on about, older brother? Come on, get down off your horse. Thomas, who doubted Jesus, was also there, along with Judas, who was about to betray him. He was at the table. Then he did something that shocked them. He took off his outer garment. It says that he laid it aside and he got on his knees with a towel and a bowl of water and he washed their dirty, stinking feet. A little bit different to what it is today, folks. Now, we might have some smelly feet because of whatever, but they would walk in sandals on dirt and mud and, and, and manure, you name it. And Jesus humbled himself as a servant and he got before them. I want you to imagine this, the Messiah, the saviour of the world, takes off his garments and he kneels down and begins to wash the disciples' feet. He took the role of a servant and he humbled himself before his followers. So I'm always challenged as a pastor or as a leader in a church that if I'm not a servant, then I'm not worthy to be there. I need to serve people. I need to serve you. And then the shock of all shocks, he took the bread. And he said, this is my body that is broken for you. Take and eat it, he said. Lord, what are you saying? What are you, what are you, what are you on about, Jesus? And Jesus was able to explain to him, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. And then he takes... He takes the cup off the table and he said, this is my blood which is being shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. He said, drink ye all of it. Can you imagine what's going on in their minds here? We're, you mean to say we're eating your flesh? We're, we're, we're drinking your blood? Yeah, that's what it's going to be. That's what's being shed for you. The interesting part is that he invites you and me. He invites you, me, to join him around this table of remembrance, this, this table of, of, of communion. Even though you may feel like, well, I, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. He invites you. To 
come. Even though we don't deserve it, he invites us to come. Even though you think, but I've blown it this week, Pastor, you wouldn't know how much I've blown it this week. I've done and said and been places like, oh, I shouldn't have put. He says, come. Come to the table. You see, if you don't, then I'm actually denying the power of the forgiveness of Jesus through the shed blood on the cross. Hmm. That's why I wanted that hymn this morning. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. In the blood. And then he says, a new commandment I give unto you, love your neighbor as yourself. That's what the reading was about. Who is my neighbor? He said, if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. I wonder, how's our margin for love this morning? I know some of you are saying, well, it's hard enough to love myself alone, love somebody else. But I want to tell you, Jesus loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you. How's your margin for compassion this morning? For those in my street. For those who might interrupt my routines. I know, Kirsty, you were saying you don't like change. This brings in a lot of change. What needs are around the church here, in our community here, that we could understand more and, and make more room to attend to in order to show God's love and compassion to those even here? You know, sometimes that's a challenge when somebody doesn't agree with me to continue to love them. I wonder how much as a church that we need to encourage one another. How long has it been since you've encouraged someone? How long has it been since you've written a little note to encourage somebody or left something at the doorstep and they don't know who it was just to encourage them or a phone call or a text. These are some of the challenges that Jesus gave to his disciples and one of them he became too much and he walked away and went and committed suicide. Let me leave you with these words as we draw communion together. Have you been to Jesus for that cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in his grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? If you haven't, whether it's on live stream this morning or here in the congregation, you can. 
by faith. Simply inviting Jesus to come into your life and say, Lord, I want to be washed clean. I want to get rid of that stuff, that junk in my life and become brand new that only you can do. Let's take the elements together. Let me pray for both of them and then just feel free to eat and to drink as you feel to do that. And then at the end of that, I'll just pray and, then I, and just come forward. There's ones down the front, there's ones on the side, others up the back there. Just feel free to come and get them. Some of you might already have them with the... Uh, Let's pray. Then I'll ask the worship team to come back up and finish our service off today. Maybe for those who are watching on live stream today, wherever you might be, feel free to contact us. Go to our website, go to our Facebook, and there's numbers in there that you can call us on or write to us, email us. Facebook us, whatever you want to do. But if God has challenged you this morning, we'd love to be able to share with you or maybe go to a local church where you might be able to contact somebody there and share with them that you'd love to know more about this Jesus that we've been talking about. Father, we thank you this morning that you love us with an everlasting love. Thank you, Lord, for the grace that is sufficient that you've given to each and every one of us from you. Father, we thank you that you are the bread of life. And Lord, we get our sustenance from you as we rightly divide the word of God, the word of truth each day, and we get direction from it. We can find healing and deliverance from it. Encouragement, comfort, Father, we thank you for the blood that was shed on the cross for us and the beatings that you took for us. Lord, it was because you loved us. Oh, God, we do want you to come again, come quickly. But, Lord, maybe there's one more soul that you're waiting on, one more. 
Let it be done. Holy Spirit, just move powerfully into the ears and the hearts of people this morning to get our hearts right with you, Lord. To know that we're in right relationship with you because when you come back, you said you're taking your family with you. Taking the church. No denominational, just church, your church. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that you would help us even during this week to connect to someone, maybe someone that we've never connected to before, that, Lord, that will take the time, be interrupted, be disturbed out of our comfort zone and to be able to touch somebody's life just by sitting, standing and sharing our stories with them. May your blessing be upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Kirsty.